What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Spectators. Happy Tuesday, y'all. It is the week before the Super Bowl, so we are going to not talk about the pro bowl that happened this weekend. And I am joined here with our soccer brother, Devin. We are going to get into some stuff he's excited to talk about, and I'm going to let him kind of explain what's going on today. What's going on, dude? Hey, man. Glad to be back on the uh, podcast. It's been a while. Um, happy to be back. I definitely have something really exciting to talk about. When it comes to you know sports um so i'm really excited to dive deep into this all right let's let's uh let's get into it tell the people what you got for us today yeah so in the <clears throat> last month there's been a lot of talk a lot of animosity a lot of discussions about this january transfer window when it comes to um european and international football um, a really polarizing figure and team is Chelsea football, Chelsea football Club. My favorite team um, is almost unheard of of a team right here. You see the sir. flag. <laughs> um, it's almost unheard of to have such a crazy uh, transfer window where there are eight players signed in the matter of four weeks and a team that spends a million dollars um, in that time frame for those eight players. And when it comes to you know, the laws and regulations for the sport um, financial for financial fair play is a, is a huge um, kind of law abiding figure that teams cannot spend more than they bring in. So it's crazy to think that um, with that law in place, a, a team can still spend that much money and it all changed. What was the number um, again? Or the amount that they spent? Yeah. A hundred million. Just in this transfer sorry, window. I, sorry, five hundred million since um, since last summer, but three hundred million in the span of, three, of of these four weeks. Oh my goodness! Eight players, it's insane. Um, and one of the reasons why financial fair play has come into effect is to um, stop teams like Manchester City, who was bought um, had a new ownership back in two thousand eight, and she who had a new um, owner back in 2011-2012, to stop teams like that just from kind of buying success for the most part they have been um at least financial fair play in uefa and fifa they've been successful in trying to stop these teams um from just kind of buying success but is any new ownership and you know new big boys in in the sport they're going to try to find loopholes and uh the reason why i'm saying all this is because chelsea also have a new ownership that was um well they were they were brought in about 18 uh, about 18 months ago uh, and the new owners are led by the consortium of Todd Bowley, who also owns the Dodgers. Um, so I, it's really I want, I want to get you know your take on this, or at least what you know as your background, you about how do transfers or how do trades work, and you know especially MLB and NBA. Um, like I want to know like how long are like the contract lengths? You know what 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 kind of money's being dished out? Well, so you mentioned that. First of all, let's like go into uh, Todd Bowley, right? So Todd Bowley, like you said, he's the the newest owner of Chelsea, and he's like the 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 figurehead, right? The spearhead of of the ownership group, right? Muted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. I don't know what's going on. It's it, yeah. The, the typing is crazy. I can't type yeah. on Discord anymore. Um, he's crazy. But I was I was just saying the. Let's just start with Todd, right? And Todd Bowley. So yeah. he's, like you said, he's the newest owner 
of Chelsea and the um, he's like the the figurehead essentially of this ownership mm. group that uh, just got put into place. I know they bought the team last year. I think the old owners were like all stressed out about like consecutive not so great seasons or something of that nature. Tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. So this all, I mean, if uh, just to a little bit of a background, I think it's important for the reason yeah. why there's new owners. Um, yeah. It all started with the, you know, the, the huge, you know, uh, war between Ukraine and Russia and mm-hmm. um, how pretty much a, a lot of countries went to Ukraine's aid. The reason why that makes it difficult for, and why that relates to, to the sport and Chelsea football club is the owner at the time of Chelsea Football Club was Roman Abramovich. He is a um, a billionaire and Russian oligarch. And once you know the Russia began um, efforts on Ukraine, the UK government completely froze all of Roman's uh, Roman's uh, assets in the country uh, in the country of England. Um, so his main asset is Chelsea Football Club. So Chelsea were no longer able to. Um, sign new players, the current players weren't allowed to sign new contracts, um, and so on and so forth. They completely, from top to bottom, froze they're frozen. That's so wild. Yeah, so there was a time, and that came around That came around the time of last year's January transfer window when we were trying to get different players, um, you know, trying to push on after a great European run when we won the Champions League, so on and so forth. Um, we lost about four players to um, new teams who were their contracts running out, and they just signed on a new contract with different teams, so on and so forth. And from that point on, Roman Abramovich decided just to step down and to put Chelsea up for sale. Um, many different figures came through of who might want to uh, purchase Chelsea, and the one that led the race for the long to- for the longest time was. Uh, the group led by Todd Bowley, um, who is the figurehead. He also has a partner, um, Hans Georg Wiss, who is a, a Swiss billionaire. Um, so, but Todd Bowley is the the main figure now. Okay, and I do think that's important, just because like I didn't actually know that. That's kind of wild about the uh, frozen assets. Um, kind of shout out to him, I guess, for like just being like cut my losses. Let's just sell this, and uh, yeah. it's it's probably for the better for the organization because, um, like you mentioned, Todd. He is one of the owners in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And if there's anything that American sports fans know about the Dodgers is that uh, they are, mo- in my opinion, uh, they are one of like the three best run organizations in all of American sports. Right. And that is um, baseball is a really hard sport to get good at running. Right. Because you have to worry about contracts and current players. You have to worry about coaching and current coaching systems and there's hitting coaches pitching coaches all the all these different types of stuff then you also have to worry about drafting and managing prospects and prospect managing and how do you evaluate them and how do you develop them and how do you judge whether or not to trade them for certain guys is definitely something that the dodgers have become probably the best at in the sport and it actually feels kind of parallel to how soccer does it where, you know, you sign these kids. Uh, I know some soccer, not every team does it, but a lot of the, the major clubs will sign youth at, what, 14, 15 years old, have them grow up through their organizations, and then eventually you have Leo Messi that you've had for 25 years at Barca. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, well, he's just been here his whole career, right? So right, yeah. uh, the Dodgers kind of run a little bit similarly. Nobody stays in the baseball organization that long, though, and that'll probably never really happen again outside of a handful of guys. But 
I think it's important to know that Todd became owner of the Dodgers in 2019. He's with the, the Guggenheim baseball management with Magic Johnson and a couple of other big, super rich people. So he's in on that. So he already owns a team and sees how a properly run organization works, functions, and succeeds. And that's like obviously the main part here for, for you and Chelsea fans is now he's taking this winning culture, this super uh, glamorized team over with the Dodgers that spend a whole lot of money whenever they want. And he's bringing it to, to world soccer. And that's going to be something super important. And here's a, tell me if there's any parallels here back in, I think it was 2019 and I, I might be, it might've been 2018, but I think it was 2019. The, uh, the Red Sox are fresh off a world series win. Their best player goes by the name of Mookie Betts. He was insane that season. He wins MVP. He goes, they win the world series and the Dodgers look at the Red Sox and Mookie Betts are like, Hey, we want that guy. The dot and the Red Sox are like, man, well, we don't really want to pay him $40 million a year so we can make a deal. So they wind up trading for Mookie Betts, the best player in baseball for that season, sign him to a 36, $37 million deal for the next 11 years. And they gave up almost nothing because it was just prospects and young guys and draft. Uh, you can't trade draft picks in MLB, but just young guys. And, Pretty much, the Dodgers for free get a top five player in baseball. And then the next two seasons are like, oh, well, we traded for a top five player in baseball. Let's do that again for the next two years. Next season, they trade for a top five pitcher, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. The next year, they sign a free agent, probably the best first baseman in the, in the game in Freddie Freeman. And it's like, man. They just get whoever they want for whatever they want. What's going on? Who's going to stop these guys? Please yeah. stop them. And, it, and it's you look at their team and it's like, well, there's not like a hole on it. And it's like eight years running where it's like this team is just loaded at every position. Essentially for <clears throat> the players that the Dodgers were getting, sending just kind of risky, unknown prospects, players the other way. So Exactly. Essentially, Boston got you know a bunch of young players that are unproven. Exactly, and they, and were, they were totally fine with that trade. And I mean, they were fine with it for a couple of reasons, like you know the, the money, right? They're, Boston was like, yeah. "Hey, we have these other young guys that like we want to hopefully keep them um, in the future, and maybe that'll work, and that way we don't have to pay this guy all this money to go through a rebuild." Blah 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 blah. So the Dodgers wind up getting this guy for minimal prospect value. And I mean, they gave up their second best prospect at the time. Who's turned into like a pretty decent MLB player, but a decent MLB player versus a, a fantastic MLB player is like wearing some junk gloves from Walmart and then getting some Louboutins. <laughs> like it's, it's a difference. It's a big difference. Uh, one <clears throat> of the, one of the things that I kind of took out of, you know, explaining like what really happened and what they did is, Player swaps is something that is pretty much in in soccer. Not a lot of a lot of teams actually are are used to doing player swaps. It doesn't really happen that often. The it's mostly most, just money, right? Mostly just money. Give me money, give me a player, right? And nothing's ever really come out and um, um, true. 
But there has been, ever since Todd Bully came in, and a lot of, you know, rumors being tossed around that he, been t we've been linked with players in the past, since at least since he came in, for player swap deals. And there, I've seen so many different ones, you know, like, you know, Hakim Ziyech um, to PSG to get one of the younger players. Like, there's, it goes, there's so many different rumors. But none of them actually came to fruition. A lot of the players that we've signed are just for a, a flat, you know, yeah. money transfer for the player. Um, so... So, and I can understand that those rumors, those rumors probably are true, just based on the fact that you know player swaps are you know so popular in not not only MLB but you know for all American NBA sports. and yeah all American and, yeah, sports all American sports essentially. Um, thing that uh, really stood out to me is that you said that what was the guy's name from Boston that went to L, uh, to the Dodgers? Oh, Mookie uh, Betts. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. He signed what an eleven year contract. I believe it's 11 years. I'd have to look that up real quick, but I'm pretty sure it was 11 years. Something longer than, like, you know. It was significant. It was, it was, yeah. a, it was a, at least a decade, yeah. Crazy thing about sport, um, at least in European soccer, um, the most commonly, you know, most commonly used contracts stem from maybe five years. Um, no, no players are ever, you know, signed for deals longer than five years uh, i've seen maybe a six-year deal but that's mm -hmm. like rare mm -hmm. um ever since todd bully has come in as the new owner we have seen all every single one of these january transfers um all eight of them they're all seven and a half to eight year deals and those are insane like the reason why the uh soccer contracts don't go that long is because these players play so many games throughout their the legs, year their legs and, just wind up um, giving out and yeah, they depreciate and, probably yeah, and also, like, in these three-year contracts, in these five-year contracts, there's always contract extensions. Mm -hmm. um, so when, once the player gets down to, like, one year left in their contract or two years, um, they're going to start going into contract talks, especially if they're doing really well, so they can do contract extensions. And you can see you can see players doing a contract extension every year if they want to stay at the club, and they're doing so well. Yeah. Um, that's not the reason why Todd Bowley is doing this uh, seven, eight-year deals. It's literally he found a loophole that no other team has – Okay. really even try to do so when you sign let me let me break this down as our pretty our, our most expensive um signing that we ever signed in okay. january um enzo fernandez argentinian center mid world cup was a golden boy of the world cup he's definitely um right young star only 21 years old he's he is going to be you know he's going to be insane um he bought him for 115 million dollars um, and we signed him on an eight-year on an eight-year contract. He's here for pretty much. If all things go well, he's going to be here pretty much for his entire career. His whole prime. Uh, yeah. And the way that these deals work, or at least they can work, is um, payment cycles. So what Todd Bowley has done, not only for a transfer, but for others, he went and said, "Yep, yeah, we're going to pay." Um, he previously Enzo Fernandez was at Benfica, so he went. To, they went to Benfica and they said, "Hey." We understand that your um, his uh, release clause is at 150 million. We're gonna we're gonna pay that. We're gonna give you about 30 million up front, and then we're gonna divide up the rest of the payment um, on an annual cycle until the end of his contract. Right. So that means he's we're gonna be he's gonna be spending we're gonna be paying Fika 15 million every season after this season. Okay. And it actually kind of is a crazy loophole for financial fair play because financial fair play's rules go on a, an annual setting so it's you make 
much based on your Champions League and run. That's how much you like, give that not, team per year. Per year. So there's there's nothing, you know, they're not yeah. breaking any rules. And so once Todd Bowley found that, you know, now every single one of our players, obviously was our last signing, but he he figured this out when we signed um uh some uh a young French center back by um Benoit Badiashile at the very what a, first what a day. Name. <laughs> what I know, a right? Name. But yet, you know, has his, you know, African roots. But yeah, that's a it's insane how on paper we spent three hundred million just four weeks. Really we've only spent like seventy, eighty million. For like the season. Yeah. For the season, yeah. Um and so yeah, and it's all just stems back on to the seven, eight year contracts and um so he that's clearly um kind of a crossover from in sports that you know all bunch of you know these professional players sign long long year deals yeah um it's just crazy how nothing ever was thought about this um before in the sport and now this is just only the start for um you know todd bully's reign i mean who knows what else he's gonna um do because this he just in the span of eight months since he started well he's already changed so much especially with this you know transfer um, loophole but he's he's completely cleaned house of the not only the recruitment team but the director of football the ceo he has kind of put in his own people in the club and um i can definitely see kind of a parallel of especially from what you've mentioned earlier about you know the change that la dodgers made back in 2015 and how that has you know resulted in their previous um success since then um it's insane you know how good this guy can be as an owner well, and I think this is a perfect parallel to what he's taken from owning the Dodgers. It has to be because one of the best players in baseball, he's not on the Dodgers. He's a, he's a Dodger killer. In fact, his name is Bryce Harper and he's been, he was like the prodigal son as a prospect. He was hitting balls 500 feet out of high school. He was the number one overall pick. He was like the fastest player ever to get brought up from draft to the MLB and make his debut since like the modern era. And pretty much upon impact, he's been an MVP caliber player. He's won two or three already, one rookie of the year, and he's won over he's won a World Series. Or no, he's been to a World Series now. And he signed a deal after his rookie contract was up with a new team. And it was a, I can look this up real quick. It was something of like 14, it was 13 years, $330 million when he signed the deal. Insane, wow. right? 13 years. Granted, this guy was not even 30 yet by the time he signed it. Baseball's prime is more 28 to 33 as opposed to most sports. It's like 25 to 29. Baseball is a little bit later because it's not quite as fast twitch movements, right? So he's going to spend all of his prime in baseball on this team, and then the end half of his career, he'll be there also making all of his money. The reason this deal is significant is because the way that baseball evaluations work is they connect your worth to something called war, and that's your wins above replacement. So if you're to be replaced by the most league average player, the baseline player, how much better are you than them? in terms of the wins you bring into your team. And every one war you have is connected to allegedly, like this is how they evaluate people, $8 million per season. So the more war you have at the end of the year, the quote unquote, more valuable you are to a team. 
according to war and according to like the money attached to war, Bryce Harper is significantly higher than the money that he's made after the very first season that he was there. So the first season he wasn't, but after so the war value has gone up since he signed because of inflation, because other contracts, other players are signing equally big deals worth more money, this, that, and the other thing. And teams are starting to notice like, hey, if we sign this superstar guy and take the risk on 10, 12, 13 years, we might be actually saving money instead of signing him for four years and then having to hopefully extend him and have to pay him more. Or now he's worse. Now we just don't want him. And that's like the safe route. But if he's worth more year two, three, four, five, you're saving money and able to like put that towards other things. And you're getting this guy way worth and above his value. And that's, uh, you know, 13 years is, is a crazy long time. Like that's yeah. half, that's half as old as we are uh, in a couple months here. In 13, 14 years, that's like players' careers, especially in soccer, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, baseball careers are probably around that too, even for like star players. So he might not play out the full length of his career. He might, he might have to do an extension at some point. Cause again, he's still pretty young. So I do think it has a lot to do with that. And he sees in baseball, it's like, Hey, we can take this contract, make it as long as possible, and hope that young guy, he's 21, you said, for Angel, that he can spend his whole career with us, and by the time that he's in his year 24 season, he's worth way more than that $15 million we're giving him. He's worth $30, 40000000 million, but we took the risk, and now he's given us way good ROI. You know, it's definitely a risk, but it's, uh, it's something baseball has seen, and I don't, there's not a whole lot of young stars that it's missed on so far. The guy I mentioned earlier, Mookie Betts, it's hit on him. Bryce Harper, it's hit on him. Uh, Manny Machado, it's done well for him. Uh, Mike Trout has done well for him. So it's like a lot of the big guys that have gotten those 13-year deals so far, it's like, oh, yeah, this works. Okay, cool. Let's just do this more. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the the only thing that, you know, might not, you know, stick as a parallel to this sport is um, – the way you were explaining, you know, these players, you know, making risks on these on these new players, it's all about, you know, getting um increasing their asset and their their yeah. their value yeah. over time. Um in in soccer, especially if you're if you're spending 150 million at the end of the day on one player, thinking um at least at least from a, a fiscal point of view, you're not looking to increase that value on that player. You already spent 115 million on him. Nope. If he eats he, he, let's even if he gets even better in the in the span of four years, he's just a player that's just invaluable. And um, let's look, we can even look at that now as Kylian Mbappe, right? Yeah, Kylian Mbappe came on the, the money scene doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the money doesn't matter. Kylian Mbappe came on the scene for AS Monaco and completely lit lit it up, lit it up for AS Monaco, right? He was linked to every team: Man City, Chelsea, Real Madrid. Um, but he ended up at PSG. Um, for for initially. On a two-year loan deal, so he's still owned by Monaco. He was playing for. He went to go play for PSG on a two-year deal, and at the end of the at the end of the two years, um, PSG were um, had an obligation to buy um, him for around like two hundred million, right? Um, and that was before this was mind you, this was before he won his first World Cup at the, uh, in Russia in twenty eighteen, and this was before his pretty much all of his success since then. 
since he signed for PSG, you sign him for essentially um, $260 million eventually. That's how they kind of got around fi- yeah. um, financial fair play. Um, but now look at Mbappe's value. Who's going to buy him now? Like, he's literally, he's 23 years old. At the time, he was 17. Now he's 23. He's even better than he was before. So if you, if all these teams, or especially PSG now, is like, well, if we bought him at $263 million, but someone's going to go buy him for Three hundred million? Ain't probably no not. way. That's insane. Yeah, like not. no team can afford that. Even mm-hmm. the Real Madrid, who's like one of the big, one of the biggest and most profitable brands. They wanted the to. Sport. They wanted to. They wanted to. Yeah. And he said no. So, yeah. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is the these teams buy these players for the these crazy amounts is because in when you win the Champions League, when you win the Premier League, when you even qualify for Champions League, get the top four spot in your league, the money payout insane. Like the difference between playing the Europa League, which is like kind of like this dud, mediocre European competition, and the money you get from playing the Champions League, like it's insane. And all of that goes towards like the money you bring in to buy more players. So yeah. that makes all the difference. So clearly there's a, not only is Todd Bowley, you know, making this groundwork of of all these players who are under the age of 21 or have contracts that extend past 2030, um, also getting these crazy young kids because they've proven that they're so good and we're trying to push for you know at champions league money i mean we're in 10th place right now we're a long we're a long far away from that champions league spot getting in fourth place um we're definitely a long way from even winning the premier league and you know the champions league this season we're in the round of 16 who knows how far we can go um but yeah all of that is to you know get the profits from winning things so yeah, yeah. it's definitely a huge risk signing all these players um, who are that young on long-term deers, deals. But um, in the long run, it's, when you think about how much we're spending each year on these players, it's really not that much. Yeah, and I, and I think um, it's important to know, when I say like return on investment or improving value, it's not necessarily just to trade them or sell them or whatever. It's just like, hey, I'm giving you this much, because they pay them yearly in MLB. So it's like, hey, I'm paying you $35 million this year but you gave me seven war. So realistically, I should have paid you 42. That's really what it is. It's just like, if I was paying per dollar, I saved money. And that's nice. That That's really all it is. Because there's a reason they like attach the money value to your war or anything like that. Just for these guys to try and like justify money spent and justify putting, uh, you know, allocating resources to certain things and, and this, that, and the other. So that's, that's the only reason for that. But no, that's uh you're definitely right. And again, soccer is weird with loans and you're able to like push money a certain way. And now obviously the way that Todd is doing this, where he's just putting in increments over, over time. It's also good to do the increments because money's going to depreciate like that 15 million and they're going to pay it over however long you said that eight years, eight years. in six years. It's not going to be worth 15 million right now. It's just not. And you're not yeah. going to be able to buy as much. And granted the, the team that they probably gave that money to is like, Oh, we don't care. We just need 15 million. <laughs> like, cause they uh, need it. Well, yeah, Benfica doesn't Benfica. Well, Benfica is a team that is, you know, known to just kind of their recruiting team is insane. You know, they recruit these young kids. And then by the time they get in their prime, like 20 or like early prime 2021, they're sending these players off to, these other big teams to actually compete teams. yeah to actually compete. I mean, look at i look at darwin nunez the Ar- uh, uruguayan striker for liverpool now he came from benfica for 90 mil um jao felix um who's a crazy portuguese star who's was originally at atletico after 
um, signing from Benfica. He's now at Chelsea, but Atletico Madrid's paid 120 million for him, and now we're now Chelsea have spent 120 million on or 150 million on Enzo Fernandez. Like Benfica, like this money is insane for them. Um, so in a small team like that, that money goes is astronomical. So, but even then, um, like in let's say like you said, in five six years, you know, after five six years into Enzo's contract. A, on the hopefully, you know, hopefully Chelsea, you know, we become successful. We might get hopefully get a Champions League or a Premier League or we just are even better than we have been in the past. Like the money we get from those, it's going to the money we spend on Enzo Fernandez and these other players aren't going to matter. Like this is like it's 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 the money we get from winning is going to make these signings successful. And that's really that all that matters, you know. Yeah, that's and 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 part of it too is like fa fan engagement at the end of the day, also, right? Mm -hmm. Like you go out, and I think it's there's not necessarily a monetary value, although there definitely is with like jersey sales and all this. But you go get Angel, fresh off a World Cup run, for probably the proudest soccer country in the world next to Brazil. So you're taking the golden boy from the golden country that just won a World Cup, following up Messi. Everybody's loving Argentina right now. You add him to your team. You're like, I remember seeing that guy. He was awesome. I don't follow a Premier League team, or I don't care. Let's go root for Chelsea. Let's go buy a Chelsea jersey. I want to go see him play in the Chelsea stadium. Like, those things matter, and they really yeah. are, like, impactful. Like, ratings for Chelsea games are probably going to double in Argentina or like maybe mm -hmm. not double, but they're going to be like significant increases just because of things like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's why getting stars going and making a big trade, uh, holding a prospect that's highly touted or, or getting a high draft pick. Those things matter. And like having those guys kind of go up through the ranks and become the stars and sell the jerseys and be the face yeah. of the franchise. Those are important. Yeah. Well, just funny that you mentioned that. Just on, just on a quick note on this whole, you know, fan engagement thing. Um, I saw um, a few months ago a metric came out um, uh, in a graph about um, TV views for Everton games. Everton FC is a, is a team in the Premier League who is a very mediocre team. Sometimes they barely fight to, to, to make sure they're not relegated. Sometimes they make a top 10 push. They're really, really nothing special about them. Um, Everton fans, you know, have been hurting and struggling for a while. Oh, so in Colombia, Everton games um, were in like the couple, maybe 100,000 views, right? And Everton go and sign Amos Rodriguez, World Cup star, world, like literally the, the golden boy of Colombia. Ever since he signed, um, no longer at the club, by the way, but when he first signed, uh, the Everton game views were in, like, the tens of millions. Of, so going from a couple hundred thousand views of Everton games to tens of, tens of millions, it's it's insane. Like, ever, not only and Everton only paid, like, what, like 25 million on, on how much and he was. And that like, was crazy, too, because it's, it's not like Colombia won the World Cup. I think they went to the quarters. Or the semis, like exactly. it, yeah. they, I think they just went to the quarters. They won one like playoff game, and like and he was the golden boy. And I mean, yeah. he definitely was the best guy on that team, and he was really fun. But yeah. it's it's a good point. It's just there are impacts and ripples for adding these guys, especially right after a World Cup push and a World Cup win. And sometimes it 
might be more important than necessarily the product on the field. And that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, this guy, Angel, is good. And, you know, obviously you hope that they are good when they're young. And um, it's so – it's interesting um, and kind of like a um, weird state of limbo for me as an American at English and UK media um, because when it comes to the UK media and just fans in general – they hate American. They hate uh, American owners. Um, the Manchester United, like the most successful brand and probably all in the entire sport, owned by Americans. I can't remember the group that they're owned by. Um, it's the um, it's the one that used to own the Bucks. I don't believe they do anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the Glazers. The, the Glazers. Glazers. The Glazers. Yeah. So they're owned. They're owned by the Glazers, right? Um, and they're. The Glaciers have been known as just, they just care about their money. They care about their asset. Um, so they really didn't spend much money for uh, for Manchester United. Um, all of their success came from having a brilliant coach, Sir Alex Ferguson, who had 30 years of insane success, winning so many Premier League titles, is the most successful team in the Prem, and also made one several Champions Leagues. And once he retired, that Manchester United team completely crumbled. Um and that's when, well, that's when the Glaciers realized that they're losing money now because their their team is not as successful. So then they start just pouring money into the club. Oh, it was wasteful spending. Um, so yeah, Manchester United fans hate the Glaciers. Um, you look at other Americans like um, uh, Walter Cronkey, I think, is the owner for Arsenal. Like I said, he's cares about his money. You know, they don't really pour that much money into the team. Uh, Liverpool are owned by the. Um, Game owners that own uh, the Red Sox. I believe um, so. I know LeBron's a part like, owner in Liverpool, group. too. Yeah. Um, but either way, so Americans really aren't that welcomed in, in the UK. But the difference is that the American now that owns Chelsea has been just pouring money into the club. So this it makes Chelsea fans extremely excited. Um, and he's definitely making a difference. Yeah, and... Um... I, you know, I feel bad for, like, the people in the UK because it's not like all American owners are bad. Just a lot of them tend to be, and a lot of them just have a lot of money. Like, that's just what it comes down to. The Glazers just have a lot of money. I, I saw a really good um, clip yesterday, and it was, it was mostly referring to, like, black billionaires because there's, like, I think eight black billionaires, like, in America, and, like, six of them are, like, you know, Jay-Z and Oprah and, like, guys you know like people you've heard of and have seen and have consumed their stuff and like 80 percent of the white billionaires you just don't know they're just dudes and they're not billionaires with like a singular they are like billions heirs because you only need one yeah. billion to be a billionaire these guys have like five six seven eight billion dollars yeah. and that's the amount of money it takes to buy a team mm. at least here like the the phoenix suns are for sale right now, and they're trying to sell them for $2 billion. It's like the Phoenix Suns were maybe the worst organization in American sports for a decade, and they're going for $2 billion? It's like, what's going on here? And, yeah. you know, it takes crazy money, and so usually those guys don't have foresight in terms of sports or uh, recruiting or prospect, you know, processes yeah, or yeah. whatever it might be because they just have the money they just happen to have the money and they're like oh i'm good at business it's like well okay cool now put a put a good rotation in for baseball and go make a good draft even though you have the 25th pick and 
it doesn't work. But hey, we'll take a punt on you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it it doesn't work as well. And so yeah. getting guys that know what they're doing, and and granted, it doesn't translate in terms of like the scouting process. Like it's different, obviously, um, they're completely different sports. But just being in a room full of guys who know what they're talking about really, really matters. And this is now a guy who knows what he's talking about from being mm -hmm. in those rooms and being in these places and being around winners. Like, I mean, he's, he's part owner with magic Johnson, like magic's not a good owner, but he's like, he's been around a lot. And he cares. Yeah. Those two things matter. You know, I think the important thing in all of that is he, he knows top he knows he doesn't know thing about the sport but he's hiring the right people he knows where to go to find you know recruiters and you know different people that know what they're doing um and that's just how all successful clubs are run i mean um the reason why i want to um you know kind of like segue into this is um man city ever since they were bought they're he they completely revamped and completely you know had a structure in place um for success you know get the right recruiters they and Guardiola, you know, one of the best coaches in, in the sport. Um, so yeah, the, it knowing the right people, um, who to employ is is pretty much more valuable than the money itself, essentially, because you can not know what to do with the money once you for a club. Um, but speaking speaking of Man City, it, it's it's crazy how ironic this can be um, with the amount that Chelsea have spent in just January alone. Man Manchester City are now are um, being charged with breaching financial rules um, in previous seasons. And they are essentially being threatened with not only getting their titles revoked from when they won the, the, really? the Premier League a few times from 17-18 uh, and 2011-2012. Uh, um, they're facing, like, being completely relegated from the Premier League in to yeah. go down to the championship. Yeah. So um, a lot of talk is being... It's obviously not only about Manchester City, but like, look at look at Chelsea. They just spent three hundred million in four weeks. Like, how did they get away with this? Yeah. How did they get away with that? This is how they got away with it. Um, but it's 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 just so funny and ironic um, to just see a, a club that thinks they're finding a way to, you know, around a loophole. But financial fair play and UEFA, who kind of this law, um, found a way to to nip them in the bud. Um, who knows? We only see we only see what we see at face value. What comes out in the yeah. reports, so it might be much more complicated than just um, allocating the transfer fee over years. And there might be something more to it. Um, but giving from, assets from that don't necessarily have money value or things of that nature yeah. probably come into play yeah. also. Yeah. And since everyone wants to be like, "Oh, Chelsea are next. Chelsea are next," I can't imagine. A, a proud investor, a successful investor as Lake Capital and Todd Bowley, I can't see them trying to do anything shady, completely lose all of their lose all of their assets, Probably, especially yeah. the asset they just bought over as Chelsea. I can't see them trying to do anything dirty. I think this I think this um loophole that they found is something that is genuine and something that it actually is okay with. Um and the only reason why I, I'm hopeful of that is because now um, UEFA and FIFA are are trying to kind of nip that loophole in the bud by maxing out player contracts at five years. Um, and not something set in stone yet, but they're trying to, you yeah. know, get, they don't, they don't want, they don't want teams making or signing players for eight years, <laughs> which I think is stupid. Um, yeah. That's like, that's bad team. for the players. That's not, 
bad for the teams, bad for the players. They're trying to maximize yeah. their money. Yeah, they just they UEFA just does not like teams um spending so much money and essentially buying success, but um what do, you, what do you think about this whole Manchester City thing? Well, I think that, I think UEFA does it wrong. I think they've always done it wrong. And I it's one thing that I really think American sports does right for the most part. It's And probably baseball does it the best. Football kind of does, but the fact that they don't have guaranteed contracts kind of ruins that. Baseball has a... no. They do not have a ceiling in terms of the money that you can spend you can spend as much money as you'd like on as many players however there is a ceiling and a threshold that if you pass that you have to pay a luxury tax are you familiar with a luxury tax at all or no yeah yeah so you pay this luxury tax and it's not insignificant money like even for these billionaires the luxury tax is like 40 percent extra on a dollar or something to that tune it's Ow. it's significant it's like 30 to 40% and it's like, hey, you're allowed to do this, but just so you know, that $32 million contract or that $32 million over the tax threshold that you're at is actually, quick math, probably like 46. And it's like, whoa. But if you're willing to do it and you have the money to do it, then go ahead. It's not my money. You do what you want with your bread. But just know it's, it's costing. And I really like that. It, it works a little backwards, though, because the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Giants are willing to do that sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Dodgers do. Dodgers are the, they have the longest active streak over the luxury tax currently because they're just like, well, let's just pay our players and win. Duh. Right. Um, <laughs> baseball should implement a floor, and that's like the one real problem that they have currently because there are teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, the Oakland Athletics are probably the worst example of it. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers, too. So there's, there's a handful of teams that just kind of refuse to spend money because they don't have to. There's no reason to. Sometimes they're successful without spending that money. So they're like, oh, well, if we can still win some games and not spend money, let's maximize profits. There should be a floor and then like a luxury tax on the floor if you're below it. And then or not a tax, but you have to spend that money. And if you don't, well, you're going to spend that money. Think of events at our job, $200 minimum. You better spend that $200. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay it anyways. And there's a, re and there's a reason that even our job has that for $200. It's because you're signing this contract and you're taking up space in an area that you need to do. If you're an owner in the MLB, there are 30 teams. You better pay money because there's a hundred other people who would love to own a team, but can't because yeah, you already do and don't want to sell the team. So I think baseball does it right in terms of the higher end. The lower end needs some work. But, I mean, you, they don't have to do investigations and hire PI guys and go and try and read through texts of, like, this, that, and the other thing. Because oh, UEFA, like, when they do these investigations, it's so exhausting. Yeah, it's it takes so, this It takes years. It takes years to find out, hey, they wrote a note one time that they said, maybe we'll pay you a little bit more, and then nothing happens. And then Man City, like, gets banned from the Champions League from a year, and, like, who cares? You know? Like, it, it's like, it, the other thing, too, is we've known for over a decade now. I mean, yeah, it's since 2008. Yeah, we know. We've known that Manchester City. We know Manchester City are, are a new billionaire club. Knew that financial fair play came into, came into like, fruition because of billionaire clubs like Manchester City. 
So why are you? So that's pretty much like it, there, aren't, there aren't that many teams that you have to look at that are going to be possible breaking furniture for a play. It's going to be the PSGs, the Man Cities, the Chelsea's, and, and the Real Madrid. So yeah, yeah, you don't have that much to 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 kind of monitor. Why is why is the breaching being made now four or five years after Man City went in their consistent run of just winning Premier League? Titles? It makes it's no sense. Like, when realistically you could just have this, hey, how much you paying your players per year? Cool. Compile that number. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much luxury tax would work over there, but like I do think that system works. I think it'll work. I think I think luxury tax could work. Um in in sport it'd definitely be less of a hassle. Trying to investigate every single freaking deal that that goes over the line for these clubs. Yeah. Um. But the only reason why the UEFA hate this new like billionaire takeover thing is because they're they're trying to look over the little guy. They're trying to look over the you know the the newly promoted clubs and in the, in the top leagues. They're trying to look out for the, the the teams that don't have much money. Um. So they're always trying to protect the David and against all these Goliaths, right? Um. Trying to they're essentially they look at these billionaire takeovers as keeping the successful team successful. Um, but yet, what we see in so many times and so often, and especially in the Premier League, one of the most comp- the most competitive league in the entire world, see all of these smaller teams making insane runs like up the table, like like breaking the top four, like getting into Champions League. Like, it happens. Um, I mean, obviously, Le- it was Le- when Leicester did it, Red Bulls over in Germany. Yeah, like it, it happens. happens. Like, it, it does happen. I mean, obviously, Leicester was like a freakish like miracle, but it happens though. But, but it, it happens. happens. Yeah, um, it happens that it, it, it happens more often than not that these teams break into the top four. I mean, it, even in like this um, new ownership takeover for Newcastle United, they they were just they, they now have oil money. They're taken over by um, a, a Middle Eastern like um, oil group, um, but it, they they were taken over about like eighteen months ago, and they haven't even been spending much money. I mean, they got a great new coach and Eddie Howe, and they they've they've only spent like on like you know. Young, like they haven't spent anything over fifty million on a single player, but they're in third place in the Premier League right now, and their entire team is is domestic players who were there before the ownerships take took over. So their team is still essentially the same. They just have a great coach, um, and obviously these players are count pretty much fighting for their jobs because they know in the next few years the team will be spending money. But the whole point is, is you know, the little guys are still being successful to a certain extent. You know what I mean? So. The luxury tax would be way better than this whole financial fair play thing. I do think one one thought I've always had about soccer, and it's honestly part of why I can't get into it so much, is that when the little guys do eventually come up, the, the Leicesters, the Newcastles, uh, whenever when Tottenham even came up, because they weren't like a, a primary team in the league until uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they typically wind up selling these players right away. And it's like, oh, here's our great run, like uh, Monaco did with Mbappe. And they just sell them. And then now, when's the last time Monaco was good? They've been pretty horrible. Yeah, They've been pretty horrible since then. And it's like, yeah, we want to help out the little guys. But then, like, you're just enabling, you're creating this space where it's like, hey, in order for you to be successful, you can't be good. You have to build towards the future. And this good thing you have now can't work. And then you sell a guy and they try and get new guys and they don't work. And then it becomes this cycle because the money you used for Mbappe didn't work. So now you're using money you spent on a different guy and it was less than that. And now you have to get that Mbappe money back. It's 
Well, here we are. Never, we're just looping like a like a drunk yeah. person, just broken record. <laughs> just yeah. The hard thing about that is that these small teams that you know into big successes can't hold these players. Like the players that are you know the that are you know kind of lighting up lighting up the scene. You know, go, like going crazy on their runs with these smaller teams is how the big clubs come calling because now these players are are playing out of their minds. Players can't say no, not only because for the money they can play, they can pay more than these smaller clubs, um, but also just the the almost guarantee that they're always going to be playing in the biggest competitions. The biggest competitions, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's like kind of another factor in it too. A, a play, I feel like players in American sports um, don't really have a say on where they go, um, except basketball. <laughs> except basketball. Basketball is basketball is the weirdest sport in the world, man. It's I've I've been a big advocate, not to fully change subjects, but like that the NBA is the best TV drama in the world. Like it is the best, <laughs> it is the best like social media experiment, like uh like the Bachelorette and the Bachelor. It's that just like actually real. <laughs> it's insane <laughs> because just like dudes get attitudes and you get these guys that like a majority of them don't come from the best situations and they wind up with all this money and now like some of them want to win some of them don't care some of them just want to go to the strip club and do whatever they do and it winds up being like the best telenovela in the world and one of the one of the guys which we didn't talk about because we're not necessarily going over news but Kyrie Irving got traded this weekend to the Dallas Mavericks and Kyrie Irving has had the most ridiculous, like, three-year run of maybe four-year run of nonsense ever. Um, he forces his way off a, off a team of LeBron because he's like, I want to be the number one player. So he gets forces a trade to Boston where he's also not the number one player. Tells all the Boston fans, oh, yeah, I want to sign here. I want to stay here. And then, like just leaves the team and like demands a trade because he's like i hate it here blah 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 like and he was like horrible in the playoffs and it was a whole issue and there it was it was a debacle he winds up leaving it is what it sounds like that essentially is exactly how players act in in soccer too. it it, de it definitely is but like they have control to an extent of where they go because then he winds up saying like oh well like i'm a free agent now so i'm gonna go sign with the nets and then he like forced a trade to get Kevin Durant to come to the Nets. He's like, I want this guy here. So like, let's make it happen. And it's like, how do we even do that? Like, how are we forcing like this all-time great player to just join this team to make a team? It never makes sense to me. It, it, it's so bizarre. And they wound up getting another trade with another top 10 player. And it's like, why are we giving this team like three top 10 players? It didn't work out to be fair, but like, why are we doing this? And they kind of force their will, like more yeah. often. It seems than like not. just player power in general, because player power is a thing in, in soccer too. So yeah, and it, it um. makes sense because like the players kind of run the league. Like I know in soccer, fans will turn on a team or on a player more than they will a team. Like if a player's being a diva, they'll be like, "Oh well." Like Ronaldo, for a great example, man, you legend. And then he kind of has that stuff about the organization a couple months ago, and he winds up just leaving, going to Saudi. People yeah, turned on Ronaldo that, like pretty quick. Yeah, he he got mad that he was gonna get subbed on in the 90th minute with seconds left in the game, and yeah. he just walked he just walked out. And it just and became that's just a whole one thing. instance across of many he did. But yeah, um, 
it's 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 really interesting, you know, you know how this, you know, so many parallels in sports, and over the next, you know, two years, even to a decade, we're gonna see even more parallels. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe more American orders come into you know sports, but the one to watch will for sure be Bully at Chelsea because he already laid the groundwork. If he can get even just like a sliver of the same success that the Dodgers have, I mean, Chelsea are looking at dominance for the next five, six years if all things go well. Yeah, um, let me find out how many Dodgers, uh, let's do like NL West champions. Let's see how many of the last 20 years the Dodgers have won. This, you're gonna, not gonna be ha- you're gonna be very happy to hear this. So they've won <laughs> their division so many times. Oh my god. Uh, let's start at, let's start at 2000. Let's start at 2000. So they've won it since 2000. Which is what? 23 years ago now. 2, 3, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 times since 2000. That is over 50% of the times in 23 the, what is years. That? Wait, what is that success? The, you talking about World Series? No, 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 no. They've won their division, which is really hard to do oh, in baseball. Okay. They've won their division 12 times. And it's probably been the best, the best or second best division in the sport in that period as well. Uh, They've won their division 12 times in the past 23 years. Wow. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And I, I'm pretty sure four of those times they didn't, the team that did eventually won the World Series. So it's like, boo-hoo. Yeah, that's a serious success. <laughs> boo-hoo. So they've Looking been over here at Chelsea, boy. Yeah, and he wasn't <laughs> there for all of that. But that's the type of thing that you're looking at for the Dodgers, right. where they're just perennially in the playoffs. They always have a superstar, and they're always making a big splash. This is the first offseason the Dodgers haven't made a big splash. In fact, they actually did the opposite. They had a guy who they did make a big splash on a couple seasons ago. He had a whole domestic abuse scandal, and there was it was kind of a weird situation. Yeah, uh, nobody knows if he did it or not. It was very strange. Uh, but they found out about it and they pretty much shut the guy right away. They're like, we don't want you, but he was still in the contract cause he was suspended. His suspension got lifted and they're like, Hey, you're gone. And they just cut him. So they owe, they owe this guy $26 million this year. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Be gone. Be gone. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be around that kind of, uh, a lot of teams do it. It's, it's tough in baseball. There's a lot of it in baseball. So some teams don't care. Some teams let them work their suspension. And it's like, Hey man, be better. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. <laughs> it's kind of one of it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a, a change in that the sport, but you know, Dodgers doing that was a good success. Also, shout out to Todd. I think that's a good thing to look forward to too. He was probably one of the guys who were like, "Hey, we don't want you." There's something. There's something to be said about like, "Hey, there's an abuser, a, a, a bad person." Yeah. They're like, "Hey, we owe you money," but like. We'll give you the money because we signed this contract, but like you can go kick rocks. Kind of cool. Out of there. I mean, yeah, yeah the, that that does go wonder, especially you know, team those, chemistry, an owner of such a yeah. someone, someone in his state like that. That's that's good. Yeah, liking what I'm seeing from Todd Bowley. I'm really, I really am excited for foreseeable future of of his reign, group's reign. Yeah, I mean, it's not even been a full uh, two seasons yet, but uh, hopefully yeah. that all kind of works itself out and. We'll see how the players do after this transfer window. I know it's a pretty wild transfer window. So um, I do want to mention real quick as well that um, I am mad at Arsenal because this is the first season I have not cared because they've let me down every single year that I have followed them. 
<laughs> and and of course now they're they've been uh, really really good. It's like, ugh, come on guys, come on it. man, come on. It, Shout out to them though. It, it's one of those things too where Arsenal have always been known as you know just so close but just not enough. You know they came close to winning the Premier League back in 2013-14. Um, injuries were a reason, you know. Um, but there's always something why there's something awful Arsenal. But some, but this season when they started their insane run and back in back in August, as a lot of people, especially myself, are like, something's gonna happen. Like they're not gonna wait, keep this. Waiting for them they're, to blow it. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're doing fantastic right now. Like props to them. But something's gonna happen. They're gonna get some injuries or just a bad run of form. Something. It hasn't happened, dude. Where they're they're still top of the league with a few points in hand. Um might do it man it's crazy they yeah. might do it how many how many games do they have left we have about 15 or 16 games left okay so there's so a good amount they only have five points up on man city so it's not yeah. like insurmountable don't they have two losses and they're only five points up that's a little annoying yeah <laughs> um and there's a there's a also just for you know a quick little um on gag if you will or fun detail it's, there's a success rate for um, teams who are top of the league at Christmas. We go on to to run to win the league. The success rate on that, like the amount of times it happens, like it's like ninety five percent, dude. Really? So like the team that's that like top of the league at Christmas tends to go and win the league. The last time that a team was top of the league at Christmas didn't win the league, you guess who that was? It was, it was Arsenal. It was Arsenal. <laughs> so something can still right. happen, but that, that typically they. Right. Yeah, so this is something they're trying to get over the hill with. Yeah, it's uh as as we say in baseball, the Mets are gonna met, and uh, it just means like they're they'll figure out a way to blow it. <laughs> they'll yeah. find a way. Yeah. But um, but the funny thing about this weekend was that Arsenal had to play Everton, and they lose to Everton one zero. Then the team in second, Manchester City, had a time had the chance to go three point that three points closer the gap on arsenal and they play tottenham they lose to tottenham so it's almost like it might happen dude it might yeah. happen even when they they stumble like they kind of got a little lucky oh, hey yeah awesome well uh good conversation i hope you guys enjoyed it all and if you guys have any other parallels to these pretty much two sports that we talked about uh you let us know if you're if you want to see more of Devin, let me know. I mean, we'd love to have him around more often. It's, it's always a good, good time, always good conversation. Appreciate you uh, popping in on this fine Tuesday. And I, I know you're working, but I hope you get to watch the Super Bowl. I hope everybody enjoys their Super Bowl weekend. We'll be back again on Monday to talk about it, go over it all, and back to our regularly scheduled program. But this, this was a fun idea from us. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you follow us at Spectators Media. And you'll see a bunch of posts from Friday in our first ever live event for the Lovers Art Show. I'm so excited for it. And I can't wait for you guys awesome. to see all the stuff from it. So <laughs> thank you again, Devin. Thank you, brother. Take it easy, man. Thanks for having me. Peace.